Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. It is Monday, March 27th. It's only been about three and a half years since the launch of Apple TV Plus with The Morning Show, my favorite hate watch. And Apple has pretty quickly become one of the top buyers of original films and TV shows. If not really one of the most watched, Apple has never revealed subscriber numbers for the service. But outside estimates put it at between 20 and 40 million subscribers worldwide. Not nothing, but way smaller than other competitors like Netflix, Disney Plus, or even Paramount Plus. Still, the joke around town is that if it's expensive and it's got big movie stars, Apple is automatically interested. They even won the Best Picture Oscar last year for Coda, which Apple dropped a record $25 bucks to buy at Sundance. But other than Ted Lasso, could you name an Apple TV Plus show? Probably not, and that's a problem. This past week, we got some news from our friend Lucas Shaw that Apple plans to spend a billion dollars to make and release movies in theaters in the next couple of years. Amazon is doing the same thing, and it's a big shift from the Netflix model of spending a ton on movies but keeping them on the service. There's a few reasons for this. The talent wants those releases in theaters, and Apple agreed to get the projects. Audiences are coming back to theaters, and there's money to be made there. And perhaps the most interesting reason, Apple thinks that creating events in movie theaters will help build the brand of the streaming service, get more people to know Apple TV Plus by showing them Apple movies not on the service first, but in theaters. That's everything from Martin Scorsese's big Leo DiCaprio movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, a spy thriller from Matthew Vaughn, Napoleon from Ridley Scott, and an F1 movie with Brad Pitt from the Top Gun Maverick director. Big, big projects. Competitive. Will this work? I've got Lucas on the show today to discuss. So today it's Apple's push in theaters and using movie theaters to boost a streamer. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw. Lucas, welcome back. You know, when you say you have a, a hot take for me, I show up ready. I got several today. Uh, first, are you excited for opening day for baseball? Very, although I am, uh, I'm actually skipping this year because it's a night game and not a day game. It's more fun to skip work and go to opening day than to show up on a regular Thursday. Oh, so you're not going to go to opening day? I'm going to go Friday. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this is the second year of MLB games on Friday nights on Apple TV Plus. Are you aware of that? 
I, I was, but I admit I'd sort of forgotten about it until you said it just now. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a few, and it's a nice little segue to get into talking about Apple TV Plus because it is one of my fascinations. Apple has spent so much money on this service. They are buying projects like nobody's business, sp- outspending even Netflix and Amazon to buy big movie star-driven films and TV shows. They did this deal with MLB. They've got MLS soccer. They like took over the MLS soccer league. And they are positioning this as something they want to grow. We don't know how many people subscribe, but they are positioning Apple TV Plus as a priority for Apple and not just a dalliance, which I think all of us have thought that it has been for the past three and a half years. If, I'm just curious if if you thought if something were just like a dalliance for Apple, would they call it that? No, but I think you'd be able to tell if they weren't serious about it. Literally, I mean, going at they're in the mix for all of these sports deals. They're in the mix for the NBA right now. They got soccer. They got a package of baseball games. They are spending. I mean, the, the money they spent on this Brad Pitt Formula One movie outrageous. They outbid everybody. So. At least they are putting their money behind this initiative. If I know it's you know dropping the bucket compared to what Apple is worth overall, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about what you reported this past week, which sort of crystallized what a lot of us had known for a while, which is that Apple is getting into the movie theatrical business in a pretty big way this year. And you put a number on it, a billion dollars they're expecting to spend on theatrical movies. Putting you know the Leo DiCaprio movie, the Scorsese movie, uh, Flowers, of, Killers of the Flower Moon, in theaters. The Ridley Scott movie, Napoleon, a bunch of others. They've got uh, a full lineup, and they are looking for theatrical distribution partners to give these movies a robust theatrical window. And that is a shift. I mean, Amazon's doing it too, but that is a shift from what we have seen out of Apple and the other big streaming services like Netflix, where the priority has been put these movies on the service. Apple doesn't need the money from box office. Why are they doing this? I think it's really about uh, you know, marketing and attention for the projects. Um, you know, there's been this reversion in Hollywood, not just with the big tech companies like Apple and Amazon, but with a lot of the more traditional studios, Warner Brothers and Disney and Paramount and and to some extent Universal, where they've realized that that theaters are are a key part of the value chain in releasing a movie, at least a movie of a certain size. You know, I, I think that there are, you know, mid-sized movies, rom-coms, things like that, that may still be streaming only movies for for pretty much everyone. But for most of the studios now, they they see the theatrical release as sort of the first step in the value chain and in the release plan for a movie. And so especially if you're Apple and you're one of the smaller streaming services, and to your point, you're spending a fortune on these big movies, you need to make sure people are aware of it. Um, that's right. part of it. And the other other part of it is obviously that talent often wants a theatrical release. And Apple's whole MO has been, we only go for the A-plus projects, for the ones with big stars, big names, big budgets, or relatively big budgets. And if we're going to do that, a lot of times that talent wants the movie to be in theaters. And so Apple says, okay, we'll release in theaters. Yeah, and that's been a factor in them being able to get some of these movies. 
is they have committed the Brad Pitt movie. Good example. There were other offers from theatrical distributors, but Apple pitched the global scale of Apple and also putting it in theaters. Yeah, I mean, Apple is getting projects that everybody wants, right? It's a new Martin Scorsese movie. It's a new Ridley Scott movie. It's a new Matthew Vaughn movie. He's He made all the Kingsman movies that were very successful. It's a new Joe Kaczynski movie. He made Top Gun Maverick. These are directors who everybody wants to be in business with. And most of these movies feature talent, whether it's Leo or Brad Pitt, that pretty much everyone wants to be in business with. Yeah, I mean, I, I've joked about this. The, the Apple MO seems to be, if it's got a movie star, we're interested. Like, they literally only do projects, mostly projects, with established stars that they can promote. And that's kind of been what they want. The, the problem is, is that Apple TV Plus itself is not that well adopted. I mean, we don't know exactly how many subscribers. The estimates are anywhere between 20 and 40 million people who get it. You know, we did a study at Puck that showed that not many people even know where these shows are. Ted Lasso is their biggest hit, and not many people even associated it with Apple TV. And I think that's what's going on here with the theaters, is they're using these theatrical events, not just to promote these individual movies, but you're going to see branding for Apple TV Plus all over these movies. And if they can create a moment around a big movie they spent $100, $200 million on, it serves as another way to, or very significant way, to promote the existence of these services. Because you and I follow this stuff closely, and we know exactly what's on what service mostly. But the average person doesn't. And there's no library on Apple TV. They don't have 100 years of movies like Disney+. Plus. They don't have you know 30 originals, 50 originals a year like Netflix does, or the Paramount library that's on Paramount+. Plus. They're competing with only originals. And that's a really tough thing to compete on because you're betting on hits. You've got to have hits one after another. And they don't, you know, they've had some good stuff. They've also had a lot of turds that have come out. This extrapolations show this past weekend they dropped. I mean, there's like a dozen Emmy and Oscar nominees in this thing. It's like a very earnest climate change polemic. I don't know who's going to watch this thing. It just sort of will come and go on Apple TV Plus, And there's no, I don't think, discernible audience for that. And that's a problem when you are spending so much money. So maybe if they can get some attention for the service with these theatrical releases, that will waterfall into more general interest in the Apple TV product. Well, well, Apple's taken this approach. You mentioned the library, where because you can go to, to the Apple, to the iTunes Store, to uh, your on your various Apple devices, you can buy or rent or stream from all these other places. It is sort of using every other media company to be their library, right? Where you can watch uh, an HBO show or, or or within your Apple experience, you can rent whatever this movie is. But that's not part of the TV Plus paid tier. And so you're right that to get people to actually pay for the subscription service, it's only an original every couple of weeks. And that's why when you look at third-party data, they add as many customers every month 
as like Discovery Plus. Like that's their comp for growth. They're not at the level of Paramount, HBO Max, not even Netflix, which is fully pretty fully penetrated at this point, not a Disney Plus. Or you look on the the Nielsen measure, the gauge, which shows how much viewership a service generates every month. They don't chart, right? It's like they're below Tubi, they're below Pluto TV, they're way below the Amazons and Disney's. Let's not even get into Netflix. All of which spend a fraction of the amount on their originals. The Discovery well, oh, Plus originals true. are cheap. Oh, well, the yes. Discovery the Discovery Plus originals yeah. are cheap reality. They're not spending $100 million on a Will Smith movie. But They're Apple's not, also not spending as much as some of the biggest players. They're sort of an in-between level because they don't have a library. So their programming well, costs the volume. are volume. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to kind of be the HBO of digital, you know, the old HBO, where they're going to wow you with some amazing show once a quarter and you're going to keep subscribed. That's at least the hope. Yeah. They literally went out and brought in Richard Plepler, the former head of HBO, to be a producer for Apple because they have that ethos in mind. And the question is, are those shows hitting a big enough audience or are they kind of four, four critics, four coastal people, but not reaching enough people to, to sort of sustain the service? Um, and and we don't know because there's not a lot of transparency. I do think having big movies with stars that generate some buzz will help. But, you know, it's a gradual process. They're going to have like two big movies this year and then maybe four or five next year um, and uh, in, down the line get to eight to 12 or whatever the number finally is. They've done other movies, too. They You know, they did that bad Tom Holland movie, Cherry. Remember that? That was on Apple. And they, they've had movies for a while, but then they come out, they drop $25 million on Coda at Sundance, and it wins Best Picture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Coda, I, did, I never saw it on any of the Nielsen charts for most viewed movies. Did you? Uh, I did not. Um, and they, they, to your point, that's another, like, they have this movie, Sharper, that came out earlier this year that I heard very good things about. They have a deal with A24. Um, and so I, I do think that there is a, a certain level of quality yeah. associated oh, with absolutely. Apple, especially absolutely. within like people who work in Hollywood think highly of the Apple programming. The question is, is do people who don't work in Hollywood know about most of the Apple programming? Exactly. I mean, we can talk about their deal with Skydance. They've got, you know, John Lasseter is at Skydance, the former Pixar head. He's making animated films that will appear on Apple and they dropped one this past summer. Luck, my kid liked it. I thought it was pretty good. You know, did it move the needle for them? We'll see. We don't, you know, that one also was not a big Nielsen charter as well. So, you know, they're at least, they're making the right moves to get the quality content. But then you look at something like Paramount Plus, where they're just churning out the Yellowstone stuff, and that's what people are watching. And I don't know if Apple ultimately sees Apple TV Plus as an eyeball generator, a revenue generator, or a prestige generator. You, you say that's what the people are watching, but Paramount Plus is the other major streaming service that never shows up on Nielsen's The Gauge. Uh, Pluto yeah, does, but, but Paramount doesn't. Peacock okay. generates more viewership based on that than Paramount does. From the app, from the next day viewing, though, right? Because they put yeah. all their next day stuff. Probably. I guess Paramount does have the CBS stuff uh, next day. So, yeah, I just see, I feel like I'm just talking about that one particular franchise which i think you know is is a hit uh, as we know the biggest yellowstone show is not on paramount plus it's on peacock and that may that may help them i have a i have a related movie question cuz for for apple to do this 
you know, they hired Ricky Strauss, who's this well-known marketing executive from Disney, and he can help sell the stuff. Although, But they're, to actually release a movie in theaters, you need a, a large team, which Apple does not have. And so they're talking to other studios about distributing their movies for them. If you were a Warner Brothers, a Universal, a Sony, a Paramount, would you distribute Apple's movies for it? Good question, because I've actually talked to some of the executives about this issue. And the fact of the matter is, Apple is a weird company. They are very difficult to deal with. They have their own way of doing things, especially when it comes to marketing products. There are things Apple won't do that are standard movie marketing things that they feel are crass or are not on brand. And, you know, on the digital space, there are ways that these studios operate that may make Apple not as comfortable going with them. So Apple is going to either have to suck it up, hold their nose, and get into business with a traditional studio, or they're going to have to convince one of these studios to work out a deal that changes the way that they market these movies a little bit. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they have we, the one we know is that Paramount is going to distribute the Scorsese movie. Correct. And that is going to be an interesting partnership because uh, Paramount is very old school in how they release these movies. And they're going to probably want to do a, you know, worldwide rollout and send these people on a full, you know, uh, worldwide press tour. Um, I don't know. You know, we'll see what Apple's contribution there is. What have you heard on that front? Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're distributing the Scorsese movie because uh, the Scorsese movie was was set up at Paramount, and so the, it was just sort of part of the... In moving, and it became too expensive. Yeah, it was too and, expensive, and, essentially, for Paramount. Correct. And in moving it over to Apple, there was sort of an arrangement that Paramount would still handle the theatrical distribution. Um, I was told that there, Apple's pretty close to a deal for the Napoleon movie. Um, I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't told which studio, um, but, I, you know, there's only like two to four that would, would actually do it. Um, yeah, it's got to be Warner's or Sony or going back to Paramount. Maybe yeah. Universal would do it. I don't know. Universal, the thing with Universal is they have so much, they're the one studio that has so much volume that it like, maybe on a one-off they would because they've released some of the Bond movies, but it's not like a great fit for, for them in some of these cases, but they certainly could. The ones that really need more volume are Paramount, Sony, and Warner Brothers is sort of, is getting needs it for now. But that's one of the reasons I ask is if you're Warner Brothers and you're David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, and you're saying, we're going to make 20 movies a year now, and you're trying to ramp that up, do you want to then divert some of your executives' time, attention, marketing savvy to someone else's projects? Or do you want to use that on your own? If you can do both, For, do for both. a 10% distribution fee or whatever they negotiate. Although there is another added element there. David Zasloff will ultimately be looking for a buyer for his company if he is not already looking for a buyer of Warner Brothers Discovery. And maybe you think of Apple as a way to get the foot in the door on a partnership to release movies and then everything goes great. And Hey, why not just buy the whole cow if you're, you know, milking us for distribution? Yeah, that is, that is certainly one way that, that he could think about it. Anybody who wants to try to get bought by Apple, uh, although <laughs> seems unlikely at this point, they don't buy a lot of stuff. I know. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting proposition because the Apple, I feel like the the Apple branding around these movies um, is the ultimate goal. They want to use these movies to build up the brand 
and have people consider Apple TV Plus as part of their Apple services bundle where you just subscribe and you know you're getting good stuff just like you subscribe to music or you subscribe to their magazines or a news service or whatever. Do people still do that? I think they do. Um, and, you know, the the cost of entry here is extremely high because we're talking about $100, $200 million movies. Yeah, some of the biggest movies that'll be released. That's what. That's the other thing that's sort of interesting about um, what they're doing and uh, is they're sort of going for these big, big projects that are not sort of you know pre-branded. And the thinking in the movie business right now has been that if you're going to spend more than $100 million on a movie, it should probably be based on a comic well, book. Well, they would do that or, if they could. Right. But they but don't, they but don't have any of that stuff. Right. But it's part of the reason when you talk to, say, Netflix, that they don't really... One of the reasons they're not interested in theaters is because they are not making these branded projects. And so if they're not going to do that... They'll just make it available at home because competing in theaters, getting people to show up for, uh, you know, the Kenya Barris comedy with Jonah Hill. Kind of difficult. You people. Yeah, you yeah. people. Um, maybe they would show up for Murder Mystery 2, which is about to come out. But that also feels like sort of the classic just stay at home and watch it movie. You're not going to go to a theater. Apple is trying to make event movies, but based on original IP. I mean, is a Napoleon epic going to get people to show up in theaters? Ridley Scott did it with Gladiator 20 plus years ago. Right now, I look at that and I feel like that's a tough sell. But Isn't it Joaquin Phoenix playing Napoleon? I, I'd have to double check. I think you're right. Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, that's interesting. I would watch that in a theater. But, you know, we'll see if mainstream audiences will. Um, so you think they're going to go one-offs for these movies? They're not going to do a slate deal? No, they want a slate this? deal. They've talked, had con both conversations. They've had conversations that are one-off. I think the Napoleon thing, if it gets done, would be a one-off. But they're also looking for someone to just take their slate. I mean, not the whole slate, because they will make movies that are just for streaming. Right. But let's say every year, it goes, like I said, from like two this year to four next year to six after that. Someone who will help distribute all of their theatrical-level movies. Hmm. It's so funny because as much as the tech world has overtaken entertainment and has sort of democratized the whole process, the one aspect that Hollywood still has a monopoly on and no one has been able to disrupt it is global theatrical distribution. These studios have the global infrastructure to take a movie and put it in theaters around the world. And for some reason, these tech companies have not been able to do that well because they don't care <laughs> they <laughs> don't mean, they, yeah that's true although how much would it actually cost um a lot i guess i mean i just don't they they don't see that as sort of a growth or big industry and so why mm. are they going to do it it's you know if it's like a marketing expense for them so they can yeah. have someone else help them with it i mean look there's a lot of people or not a lot but you 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 definitely get the the chatter on social like oh, why don't apple or amazon just buy a theater chain um which i guess they could but it just doesn't feel as vital to their business as like amazon buying whole foods yeah although you could potentially integrate a movie theater chain into what Amazon does and sell tickets on Amazon and put products in the theaters and whatever. But you're right. That's a lot of money to spend for something they don't totally need. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Amazon. Amazon's the other one here that has made a big commitment to theaters. Uh, we're seeing it with the upcoming Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie air, which was supposed to go to streaming. 
And Amazon decided to put it in theaters because they thought it actually turned out good and people might see it in theaters. I'm a little skeptical. I'm, I'm seeing it tonight. The reviews have been great, but ultimately it's a movie about marketing. And I don't know how much people are going to rush to the theaters for that. Um, great cast. Yeah, great cast and great buzz. But it's, got, uh, it's a story about Michael Jordan without actually being about Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and no exactly. Michael Jordan in it. And yeah, we'll see how much actual basketball is in it. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Everyone seems to think that Netflix will eventually change their tune on this. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think they're really digging in their heels. They are for right now. Um, they see it as a, dif as a distinguisher at this point. Because literally every single other company in Hollywood is leaning into theaters right now. Yeah. I mean, when your story broke last week, the theater chain stocks went up. Because everyone was saying, oh, Apple's now committed to theaters. It's going to benefit these chains. I don't know if it's going to ultimately help them enough, but it is a significant thing. And then Netflix is really now an outlier. It's the same thing when we did a story last late last year on Amazon's intentions. Not only did the theater chain stocks go up, but I had investors start calling me who like were interested in trying to invest in movie theaters, trying to figure out like what I didn't, <laughs> what I did. I always love when they do that, like what I didn't put in the story. It's like, if you thought there was like a bunch of stuff that I didn't put in the story, but I could tell you, you're crazy. Yeah. Well, that's what this podcast is for. Speak directly <laughs> to them. Um, and, and you know what, maybe, maybe it'll keep Adam Aaron, the AMC CEO from trying to go into another salt mine business or gold mine or whatever he's doing. Well, that's the crazy thing is that even uh, these theaters are getting a huge boost from renewed interest in the theatrical experience, but both of the biggest theater chains are still in deep trouble. Oh yeah, they're fucked. I mean, not, I don't want to say fucked. Like long-term someone will come in and own them and f clean up the business. Yeah. But you would need to have so many movies do so much business this year to to help Cine. I mean, Cineworld's already going through a bankruptcy process, and then AMC. Most people assume won't make it through the year. So yeah, and even with this, you know, improved box office from the first few months of this year, even if they're down twenty twenty five percent at the end of the year, that's not good enough to keep these chains afloat. So yeah. we'll see. That's a whole separate conversation. Isn't this kind of good for Netflix because? They want to be an outlier. Like if everyone else is going into theaters and they're the only one not doing it, isn't that what their original plan was? And it's why they worked in the beginning. Yeah, that's a good, good point. I think that uh, they see themselves as for their members first. They are the biggest worldwide. They've got 230 something million subscribers. And if everybody else is going to make you wait 45, 60 days to see the big movie, 
on your service and Netflix is putting it there the day that you hear about it on marketing, then potentially that would be additive for them. Yes. Okay, Craig, this weekend, are you staying home to watch Murder Mystery 2 or are you going to the theaters to watch Dungeons and Dragons? I'm going to the theaters to watch John Wick. Ah. <laughs> we don't even have to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, God. It's fun. Chris Pine. I know people say it's not terrible, but it just, the problem is it looks terrible. I don't know. I saw it last night. I had fun. Oh, all right. I, I didn't know what to expect. I went in with no, literally zero expectations. And, you know, they did a decent job for what it is. All right. I do love Chris Pine. All right, Lucas, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. All right, we are back with the call sheet. I know the answer to this one, but Craig, are you excited about the final four? I, I am, man. San Diego State. <laughs> the Cinderella run continues. Uh, this has been your dream come true. Finally, your alma mater is uh, is up there in the final four. That's right. And this has been the weirdest March Madness tournament ever, really. And I think that's probably because of COVID, which gave uh, a lot of players an extra year of eligibility. And these new lenient transfer rules, I think, just made a lot of these mid-major teams a lot better. More parity. All right. Well, we are not going to talk about the leagues or the parody. We are talking about the TV ratings. Uh oh. And yeah, my prediction <laughs> is that this year's Final Four is going to tank in the ratings compared to last year. I mean, we look at the teams we've got here. We got Florida Atlantic, we got San Diego State, we got UConn, which is a well known brand in basketball, but then we got Miami. These are not the North Carolina and Duke brands that we had last year. And last year's Final Four averaged a little over 17 million viewers. My prediction is that this year is going to drop below 15 million. Yeah, I mean, it's also the first time in history that there's no one, two, or three seed in the Final Four, so. Right. And if they were, you know, also the media markets aren't great. I mean, San Diego, I guess you could pull in a little bit of LA, but it's not like LA people care about San Diego State basketball. You don't, don't think the have. Boca Raton market for Florida Atlantic is going to show up? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, two Florida teams. There's not, a, you know, not one of the top five markets uh, in Florida. And you don't have LA, New York, Chicago. So that's going to be tough, I think, for the uh, NCAA. It is on CBS this year. Last year, it was on the Turner Networks, which, you know, is a little bit tougher just because of the cable being on cable uh, rather than broadcast, you usually get a bump a little bit when you're on broadcast. But um, I just don't see it happening, which is, you know, whatever. The ratings last year were up over not just the year before, but they were up over 2019. So that was a big vote of confidence in the March Madness tournament. And I think they had hoped that some of these bigger market teams or some of the major brands would be in, in, the, in the Final Four. But alas... They had to step aside so you could have your moment in the sun. That's right. And all the Pac-12 fans should watch because they're, uh, they should get to know their new member, San Diego State. Yeah, that's definitely happening. You see, UCLA and USC are leaving, going to open up a Southern California spot. San Diego State is basically putting on a good argument for why they should be in there. Go Aztecs. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck, and I want to thank you. We will see you on Wednesday. 